Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the audit podcast. Today on the show, we have Jan Babiak. Jan is an independent board member and audit committee chair for multiple organizations ranging from all sizes and industries, and she was formerly a managing partner at Ernst & Young. Given her experience as an audit committee chair and the various boards that she sat on, that's the perspective we wanted to hear from Jan today. So what qualities does she look for in a CAE? What information does she want from her CAEs? To the extent possible, um, share what happens in an executive session and what does she look to get from those executive sessions. Here we go. Because of your experience uh, as an audit committee chair, what qualities do you want from your CAEs? Um, you know, it depends very much on the company, the sector, the ownership model, the experience and strength of management. And very importantly for internal audit, um, I'll call it the maturity and the mandate of the function relative to other risk functions in the organization. So, you know, some organizations have, you know, very mature compliance functions, SEC control functions, risk functions, particularly on financial services, regulatory functions and things like that. So I think you have to start with what environment are you in? And mm -hmm. then you look at, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's some, some C's actually also have process improvement in their mandate. Others do not, you know, they're much more, uh, co more compliance oriented, but that said, you know, whatever we decide is their priority, then clarity of communications, transparency with me as audit committee chair and the rest of the committee and informal information to me is, is as important as formal reporting. So I, when I'm working with my, um, as an internal audit, um, or CAEs, if you will, um, you know, I have regular conversations with them just to us, you know, probably, you know, monthly just to say what's going on, how are things going up? And then very importantly, um, it's going to be important to me that they follow up. You know, for example, if we've agreed actions that management's going to deal with and we say we're going to do it by August 31st, then they're in there making sure they've done it and they're reporting to us if, if they're not. Uh, transparency, we've definitely heard as we've asked that qu similar question of audit committee chairs or people on audit committees or even CAEs, the question of what do what does your audit committee want from you? Transparency and basically the truth. And let me know immediately, you know, what the, the issue is if we're going to talk about issues. Um, so that definitely rings true. And then I like the informal conversation piece. That's what, yeah. you know, a lot of people even on this show, when we talk to, they go, it just felt like we were kind of hanging out, having a conversation while doing the show. And so I think that is extremely important. Is that something that you almost push or is it something you expect the CAE to push in terms of those types of qualities? Or is it like, hey, I'm Jan, I know what's up. This is how we're going to do things. How does that work? Well, I pretty much follow the latter because, you know, it's my responsibility as audit committee chair and I'm going to get what I need from yeah. people. Um, I mean, it's interesting because I kind of answered the question about, you know, what information do I want from them uh, yeah. from that point. Uh, when you come back to the actual 
qualities in the individual that I want in that role. Um, my personal hiring philosophy um, applies to most roles, you know, across my career. I figured this out some years ago, um, maybe even decades ago, um, and it includes CAEs. But you know, I experience is important, of course. You know, you don't want someone who's you know formerly been a you know. A, you know, I don't, I don't know a gardener and decides, <laughs> you know, and, I was wondering and, where you're going to go with that. Okay. Yeah. I, I was trying to, I was trying to pick something that I wasn't going to offend someone. Yeah. Yeah. Not sure yeah. There, but while experience is somewhat important, I don't think it is the most important thing in inequalities. I think, um, for me, I have something I call Jan's vows. Um, and that's not like wedding vows. That's like, like A E I O U vows. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And so I'm looking to see, do they have a good attitude? Because you get to pick your attitude, and you know somebody who's just going to be depressing all the time and hostile, and I did, eh, can't deal with it. So, so you know, give me somebody who's got a good attitude. So there's your A. E, somebody who's committed to excellence. Yeah. You know, I want I want excellence in everything you do, and that's you know I always used to say you know if I had somebody a junior staff and I needed them to make copies, then you make them straight, and if they're two sided, make sure I don't get every other page. Yeah, you know? and it's. And then if I ask you to do something, you know, bigger and better, I still want that. I want excellence no matter what it is uh, you're doing. And and even if I'm not asking you to do it, you you know, you need to make your own uh, way in terms of excellence. Um, I is for integrity and ethics, making sure you've got, you know, somebody whose whose values are, are where they need to be. Uh, o is over the top, over deliver, always delight, you know, just yeah. always just that little bit extra. Super uh, and, sometimes, and sometimes a lot extra. And the last is you, and that's for unity. Somebody who can work in a team and pull pull that together. So those are more the qualities of the individual, and then you get into how they deliver uh, deliver the role in terms of that information. Is there a, a a method to grade those vowels to a degree, or is it more you just you have a feeling for it, or is, is it or yeah. is there is there like a quantitative way you have where you can go, yep, you hit A at ninety percent, or 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 is it just like no, I kind of get a feel for the vowels. No, you get you get a feel you get a feel for it. I mean, um, and and the other thing is is there they can be um, modified. You know, for example, excellence. You know, so if someone delivers something that is under, okay. you know, I my my approach to that is rather than going, you know, Trent, you did it wrong. It's to say, okay. This is on me. I clearly did not explain my expectations. So let me be clear about what I expect. And then after I've done that a couple of times, if they're not meeting those expectations, then you realize that someone's probably not there on that. Yeah. Um, and also something like over the top delivery. Some things, to be frank with you, you just can't deliver over the top. You know, uh, some things are, you know, just, but so you, so it's kind of a, a um, evolving understanding yeah. of, of of where people are and teamwork obviously is something that you know you can interview people all day long but you really don't know how well they're going to work with the team until yeah, yeah. they okay. work you mentioned uh getting what you need as that audit committee chair um Look. what is that like high level what is it that you need so if we have a cae that's listening right now and they go um like maybe they just don't have the relationship with their audit committee chair that they want and it's you know Basically, it's I need to get them what they need. Yeah. High level, like what do you need? Uh, again, this is going to depend on the company, the sector, the ownership model is very important. Public, private, private equity, family owned, etc. Right. The experience and strength of management, 
um, you know, it's it's not really one thing. And I would say that, you know, um, in the audit committees I chair and have chaired, I needed different things at different points. And indeed, over the arc of uh, one internal audit department that, um, you know, I'd had oversight of for over a decade, it's, it's changed. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, initially we had an internal audit department that was, that the one I inherited, all we really did was SOX compliance. And we have evolved that completely to we have a SOX compliance function that's a, a um, you know, second line of defense as opposed to third line of yeah. defense. And now third line of defense audits that. And then we've evolved, you know, kind of at various points in time. And, and right now, you know, I think we're going through a big evolution um, in this because as we move toward ESG reporting, and things like that, internal audit has a big role to play in that. So, you know, the most important thing is, is anyone who's trying to answer the question you just ask in a binary way probably doesn't get it. Yeah. This, this is, this is a, a, a moving, a moving feast and should be dynamic. In terms of executive sessions, a little background on what those are and what they entail and obviously I wouldn't expect you to go into any specifics, but what happens during those? And again, what do you want from your CAE during those sessions? Is that where you're talking like even the uh, maybe less formal type conversation or just kind of walk us through executive sessions? Okay. Well, first of all, if I may, I know that you're probably a largely American audience, but in the in light of the fact that you may not be, um, executive sessions are called by different things in different countries. Okay. So in the UK, they're non-executive sessions because it's the non-executive director. In Canada, they call them in-camera sessions. And in fact, I lived in the UK for 20 years. I moved back to the US and I went on a US board and they said, we're going to have executive session. I started packing up my stuff and leaving and my fellow board members were like, where are you going? I'm like, well, it's an executive session. And they're like, yeah, you're supposed to be here. I'm like, for an executive session? So it's very confusing to me. Yeah. I know. I'm now fairly ambidextrous and that depending on where I am, I know that they have different meanings. I mostly call them in camera because that's just easier to easier to say. So so in that session that you're, you're calling executive session or in the, uh, the in camera, I have primary two objectives in that. First of all, you know, when you're in an audit committee, you often will have, you know, it, it is not uncommon for me to have 30 people in the room. Because I've got finance people, and I've got external auditors, and I've got internal auditors, and I've got compliance people, I've got company secretary, and the CEO is probably there, and the CFO is there, and all of my audit committee is there. And then I have visitors who love coming to my committee because it's just such a fascinating place to be. And then you have the, the lawyers who come in. I mean, it's a big group of people. And so sometimes some different functions, and bear in mind, like on the, the board, the bigger boards I do, I have executive sessions with compliance with risk, with legal, with, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I have those individual sessions with all of them. So coming back to internal audit or uh, the CAE, first and foremost, I always start with over to you, anything you want to tell us that you think is better for just us. And it is just the thing. We kick the CEO out at that point. We kick the CFO out, kick everybody out. So it is just the board members and they're all independent. What, what is the, again, I know you can't go into details, That's a, nature of those, hey, it's just the two of us, what's up? I mean, what is the, I don't, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to even ask for an example, but. Well, let me, let me give you the second category okay. and, and then maybe, maybe we talk otherwise. In, in the event that they don't start with 
answering the question in these areas. These are some of the second categories. And these usually focus on, I'll call it the human and behavioral balance. Okay, so, you know, the, the facing the corporate audit team, you know, how receptive uh, to findings is management? We may ask them, you know, this was a pretty down report. Did, was management on board with this or did they type you all the way? You know, kind of how, how yeah. is management doing this? It helps you understand the culture. Do, do they share your level of concern? Because I can see that you're concerned. In fact, you called me twice in the last few months about this particular report. I know you're concerned. Are they concerned? Um, then I'm also, you know, do you feel at any point that your team is being bullied into downgrading a finding or, or, or you know, trying to, to limit their scope when we know that you have the ability to expand your scope or something like that? How, how well are you getting on with the external auditors? Are they using you to good effect? Uh, you know, are we getting some things um, in terms of um, um, duplication, you know, or gaps between what the two of you are doing? You know, how's the team's well rattled? You know, that was a big topic during COVID. Yeah. You know, how are we dealing with that kind of stuff? So very often the things they raise will be those things. But also, if they don't, we're probably asking specific questions. And you don't want to ask those questions when management's in the room, when compliance, risk, et cetera. You know, every once in a while, you can see friction between, you know, something like um, internal audit is doing a report and legal decides it has to be privileged. Yeah. And then they start taking over the report. And you're like, you know, um, you, you can, we can put it under privilege because we want to protect, but it's still internal audit report. So, so sometimes it's, you know, trying to see what our role is. And then there's always a, what about, are you getting the budget? You, need? you know, right. are you getting the support? Are you having, you know, are you getting the, you know, I've had a situation where we were trying to recruit specific people with certain types of cybersecurity expertise and the in-house recruitment function just didn't have the connections in the network. So we were discussing with them how we get them approval to use an outside search firm for something specialized okay. and we also will talk about you know you know maybe we don't want to embarrass the cae in the meeting and said you know that we've got in the plan this very very technical vat tech tax review do you really have the team for that mm -hmm. you know so so those are the kinds of things that we're probably talking more often than so you have obviously a ton of experience with various industries, organizations, and you've seen them from the very top and you've kind of been in the, the details also, of course. But um, if you were going to build an audit department from the ground up, what would that look like? Um, well, I've done it a couple of times, but, <laughs> but if you're starting from the ground up, I think there's probably two primary reasons why you do that. The first one would be you didn't have one to begin with. And so the organization, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it was a spinoff of a, you know, a big part of a business and they all of a sudden are a standalone business or something like that. Um, so, so you didn't have one. So you're really starting from startup. The other would be that you had a seriously broken function yeah. and it needed to be modified and rebuilt. And I've actually been in both situations uh, where that was the case. Um, and I think for once again, the answer goes back to, you know, how would I do that? It was, it's going to depend on the company, the sector, you know, the regulatory expectations, if any, um, the organizational model, because, you know, if you were private equity owned and, you know, 
private equity is very different than a public company, whereas public company, I'm representing perhaps thousands, if not millions of shareholders. And you can't go and say, okay, what do you want to do here? Private equity, if, you know, I can walk into the guy who's the owner or the woman who's, you know, the lead the partner on that. And I can say, okay, look, we can probably, we can focus on this. We can focus on that. What are you most worried about? Yeah, nice. And so the way I would build it, um, you know, is going to depend on these factors as well as the strength of management. Because, you know, if I feel that I've got really strong management and I've got really strong compliance functions and regulatory functions, which, by the way, you probably don't have if you don't have a good strong internal audit function, but we'll move to that. But um, if you feel like, you know, actually this company, we've acquired this company and it's made up of a whole bunch of companies that are all very disparate and they have different systems and things like that, then the focus is going to be very different than if I've got one that's really, really well, well run. And then I would have an audit function that was probably more built for the process improvement side of things. Um, so, so it's more about fit for purpose and that, and very important as we discussed earlier, evolution of internal audit, because this should never be a build it and done yeah. kind of thing that should be constantly evolving. Yeah. From, from everything that we've talked about and all the experience again, that you, you have as uh, an audit committee chair, audit committee member from that perspective. Or any perspective, this is your your time to talk about whatever you want to. I couldn't care less. This is your you know five minutes or whatever you want to. What do you, what do you want to leave the audience with? Well, I think the most important message for your listeners is to talk about the importance of recognizing that these roles, um, whether it's internal audit or actually a board role, there are that we have three responsibilities. One of which is running business as usual. You know, making sure those quarterly reports go out, making sure the monthly statements are cold. You know, you've got the, the business as usual. You've got a second category, which is reacting to things that happen to you. You know, COVID's a great answer, you yeah. know, great example of that. When that happened, you know, the whole world turned on, you know, on, on its edge. And then the third one is anticipating and preparing for the future. Now, the interesting thing is, is you must do all three all the time. But the balance between... Um, the particularly the um, second and third, you know, can mix. During COVID, we were all on with respond. It wasn't, let's think about the future right now. It was kind of like, oh my God, are we going to have a future? You know, yeah. or is everybody going to, is everyone going to die? But all the time, you still have to do category one business usual. We still had to get the, the 10Q out. We still had to get the monthly reports. We still had to run into our audit. We still, you know, we still had to do all of those things. And I think what happens, and this is probably the message, is that the third category so often doesn't get thought about unless you are intentional about it. And like, I'll, I'll give you two examples of where I, where I have been very intentional about thinking about the future. Uh, one of which was more than a decade ago, I started hearing about this weird thing, you know, called Bitcoin. The, and at that point, we didn't even know the word, you know, uh, blockchain or digital ledger or anything, which is everybody was talking about this Bitcoin thing. And I just started seeing it come into my feet and nobody seemed to know anything about it at my companies or anywhere. So I sent myself off to a five day course on, you know, what turned out to be, you know, uh, digital ledgers as well as Bitcoin and, and, and cryptocurrencies and uh, blockchain and everything like that. Now, I will say that even at that point in time, I I raised the level of estrogen, many, many factors, and the average age by at least a decade or two, because the people who were there were not, I was not that demographic, but I wanted to understand it. That then formed the basis 
of me asking different questions of my CAE, of my CFO, of our sales models and things like that. So, you know, I don't know a lot of people who kind of make that investment. About five years ago, I started going to some investor conferences where they were talking on the side about something ESG and what that was going to mean. And of course, I had done some work on that in Europe. And uh, and I remember it distinctly. Um, it was early 2020. I started talking to my heads of internal audit. Bear in mind, we're early 2020, so we're dealing with COVID and all yeah. of that about what skill set do we have in our internal audit team related to measurement on carbon emissions, what what ESG skills we have, because this is uh, with the ISSB that looks like it's going to come up, which as we now know it did, and with the SEC starting to talk about this, we're going to have to audit this yep. very soon. So what skill set do we have? And I started talking with them then and that, you know, their original reaction at that point was no one's ever asked that. And I'm like, yes, but now we're asking. And so by the time we now are at a point where we're actually having to report some things, I've already got people in my internal audit functions who have been to courses, who have been, you know, raising their skill set up on, on that. So I think, you know, the big message here is, you know, just doing today's work good is and reacting to what comes is not good enough. And you have to be very intentional about looking at what's coming on the horizon and making sure you're preparing for it. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.